Hey friends, welcome back to the Grace and Truth Podcast. I'm your host, James Robertson, and in the studio again with me today is my buddy, Jesse Craigle. And we had a great conversation last time here on the Grace and Truth Podcast. This time we're going to be talking about a little bit more of a controversial topic when it pertains to the church. We're going to be talking about worship. We're going to be talking about music. We're going to be talking about instruments in church. And uh, so you won't want to miss this conversation. I hope you stick around for the entire thing. Hey, and I hope you'll take some time to send us an email and let us know what you think about the podcast. If you have any ideas, if you uh, have any comments, you can email us at graceandtruthpodcast at gmail.com. That's graceandtruthpodcast at gmail.com. Now let's get into the conversation I had with Jesse Craigle on music. Here we go. again and welcome back. We are excited for episode three of the podcast today and uh, we've got a really great topic we're going to be talking about. You might not be excited for episode (laughs) three once we get done with it. Uh, No, I'm pretty excited because this is my forte. I am not a professional in the least, but being a music director, loving music, um, constantly singing, constantly looking for for new new songs. When he says constantly sing. singing, like if we go to a concert together, I have to sit across the room so I can yeah, hear the artist. So does everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He loves to sing. I and, just need a booth. And he does need a booth, <laughs> his own like box, so he can sing along to his heart's content. No, no, no. Here's what we'll do. I'll just bring a personal drum shield to sit in the Ooh, entire yeah time. and then people will ask why are you sitting in there and you know what your excuse can be because of covid that's right or i could get one of those um big bubbles that people jump in and play like knocker human, ball human soccer yeah yeah knocker yeah. ball yeah mm-hmm. that way it's like six feet distance on each side yeah <laughs> But yeah, so James is a music director at a church. I used to be a music director at a church. Of course, when I was in high school, I studied music theory, jazz theory, um, all those different things. Piano, um, piano. I sounded sound like a little piano prep, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I play the piano. Um, but I, I did all that. I sing. I was a music director, like I said, 10 years. I'm, I've been in evangelism ever since, play piano. Um, in some pretty great places as far as I'm concerned and get to sing in some pretty great places. So neither of us are novices. Neither of us are like musical professionals, but we're not novices when it comes to music and we love music. Yeah. Uh, And most of all, we love God's music, but there's a, there's a trend James that troubles me. And, and that's this. There's a lot of people that think, only if a song is a hundred years old, yeah, is it suitable to be sung in church or suitable to be played in church? Or they'll they'll say this, they'll say, um, "Well, we're old time around here. We don't subscribe to any of these newfangled songs or something." But then somebody will sing "In Christ Alone" by the Gettys in their church, right? And it's just kind of a disturbing trend to me. And those same people will shout, hoot, holler, raise their hands, enjoy it. Oh man, it. I've been in a service Not where knowing. they've sung. I've been in a service where they've sung in Christ alone for an hour. Yeah, and shout. Everybody shouted the whole time. Um, but the the scripture sets up some criteria, and this is going to our base. Obviously, is the scripture. Right. 
uh, sets up some criteria in the New Testament about what music should be and shouldn't be. Let's look at some of that, uh, if you don't if you don't mind. Let's look at Ephesians. Okay, yeah. And we'll see what it says in Ephesians. Start in Ephesians and uh, work our way five. through. And uh, I've got my Bible here in front of me. And um, Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let's, let's, let's look at the, um, the parallel passage there in Colossians chapter 3. So we got Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16. And verse 16. Mm-hmm. And Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Okay. This is the Grace and Truth podcast, by the way. Yes, so I love it's, it. It's kind of neat that the word grace is right there, and the word right. of God is the truth. Right. Um, but these passages tell me, James, the, the first one in Ephesians, uh, well, they, com- you know, comparing Scripture with Scripture, it tells me that music in the New Testament in our Christian life has two main purposes. Yeah. Number one... It's to sing praise in our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 5. Right. So what's singing praise in your heart? That's worship. Yeah. Right? So music is worshipful for you in your heart um, and in your life to sing. And, and I've heard it said this, that you can gauge a man's spirituality by how much he just kind of sings to himself. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how true that is, but I do know that the happiest people, the happiest Christians, whether they can carry a tune in a bucket or not, they kind of walk around singing, don't yeah. they? Um, but then we've got Colossians. And I think Colossians is really the one where he's he's directing this this thing about music to the church. And it's, it's talking about teaching and admin what is it admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so obviously number one there's three levels of of music that we sing in our christian walk psalms we know what the psalms are right there's 150 of them in your old testament the biggest book of scripture is the psalms it's a song book so god wants us to sing and then there's hymns, and we know what a hymn is. It's a it's a basic style of a song, um, and you got a book full of them in church, or a, or a, uh, a easy worship or pro presenter song <laughs> folder full of them these days. Um, and we put up on a screen, or we turn in our hymnals too, um, and they have a kind of a musical form. But then there's this other category, yeah, called spiritual songs. And a spiritual song is not necessarily a psalm or a hymn. It's a song that doesn't really fit any of those categories, but it's about Jesus and it'll help you to worship. Right. Right. So there's these three categories of singing. Now, I'm not talking about outside of Christianity. I'm talking about within the body of Christ. Yeah. 
Um, we're not going to stray onto secular versus sacred or anything like that. We're today concerning ourselves with God's music. Yeah. Um, and so I believe this, that, that the purpose of music, number one, is twofold in the church. It's worship, and it's for instruction. So obviously, the songs that we sing should be full of doctrine. They should they shouldn't teach false doctrine. Right. And can I interject something here? Of course. Um there's, your podcast. There's probably a lot of uh there's probably a lot of preachers out there and you don't you don't see it. You you don't um you haven't been reminded of this. So I want to remind you about this. When we come to you you put a lot of time into your message and outside of the church into your people. Uh, you've done hospital visits that week. You have tried your best to fit in the time to be able to put together the words and put it on paper of what you're supposed to say on Sunday that's supposed to help somebody. But let me challenge you not to look past the offering and the worship. Right. Um. We've gotten a spirit in a lot of churches where when it comes time for the offering, man, let's let's just throw that thing in there, get it get in there when we can. And we'll fellowship throughout the And move on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's let's just um quickly uh run through a song, somebody sings, somebody does something, let's just pass the plate quick. Or the pianist plays four verses of a hymn mindlessly. Right, right. So Let's not forget that giving is a style of worship. It is. It's. it's, it's it is a, a form of worship. It's essential to it. I liked what uh, Pastor Ralph Sexton always says mm -hmm. at his church before the offering. He says uh, every time he says, "Let's worship the Lord in giving." <laughs> There's my Ralph invitation for you. Love you, brother Ralph. Happy to hear this. Oh wow, that'd be awesome. It would be, <laughs> but I love that he says that. Like, yeah, I just I think that's great because giving is a form of worship. Right. It's 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 um. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, and let's not forget that you know I think I've said it on here before. If not, uh, I've said it a thousand times in messages that the first time you ever hear worship mentioned in the scripture. It's actually Abraham carrying Isaac, his only begotten son, up the mountain yep. to sacrifice him. And he tells all the servants, hey, me and the lad, we're going to go up on the mountain. We're going to worship. We're going to sacrifice, and we're going to come back. And I don't think they probably did a lot of singing up there. No, I don't think so. Um, I think the worship they did up there didn't have much to do with music at all. Yeah, I, could you imagine the emotion? Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I think Isaac, we, we think about Isaac as maybe like a... You know, a, a ten or eleven year old boy, but this boy, no, he was He's probably fifteen or sixteen. Probably in I his think. teenage years and knew exactly what was about to happen. Yep. Uh, when he asked, "Where is the wood and where's the where's he the said, lamb?" I've got the wood, you got the fire. Yeah. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Abraham didn't have the heart to tell him, "Hey, son, uh, you're it, boy." <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know, he knew when his hands got tied. Yeah, and he got placed on top of that wood. You know, uncomfortable. Yep. On top of this altar, and then Dad pulls out a knife and goes to Getting take to your life. Yeah. You never hear from Isaac. No. You I, don't. I just I know we got off on that, but 
So so the offering because we're talking about worship, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So so the offering is is literally just as important as any part of that that day because these the your people are literally bringing what God has given to them. And there's no thankfulness. There's no joyfulness. Mm-hmm. There's no, let's just rush through it, right. get it over with, and move on. But the same type mentality is in so many churches when it comes to the music. I was like, where are we going with this? The same type <laughs> of mentality is there. Yep. When it comes to music, let's let's sing let's, one or two songs and, and, and get it done. And get let's it over get it with. done as fast as we can. Maybe have somebody sing a kind of a mindless special. Yeah. Why did we start calling them specials anyway? I don't know. Someone's going to sing a special. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it, but there's a lot of things I don't get, and we won't solve them here, but it's true. Um, worship itself is rushed through, and, and going back to the illustration about Abraham and Isaac, if Abraham had rushed... Yeah. He'd have cut the boy's throat before God could have stopped him. Right. Uh, there was worship involved, and he took his time. And I think it's important that when we worship God, we take our time. Yeah. So I also wanted to say about uh, Colossians, verse 16 says, mm-hmm. teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms. So before you even get into the others, this is... let. So the the first part of the verse says... Let the word of Christ dwell in you mm-hmm. richly in all wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, what happens is a lot of people, just breaking down the verse, get to church and they sing the song without thinking about the reference. Let's sing the words, but let's forget why, who we're singing to, why we're singing it what we're singing. Um, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene, and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Well, what about this and verse? Then, and then the verse that says, For me it was in yep. the garden. He prayed not my will, but thine. He had no tears for his own grief, sweat but sweat drops of blood for mine. We forget that that really happened. And then what we do is we, we really don't imagine anything. We just sing it. But but when you imagine yourself standing there, looking at Jesus Christ, bent over this olive press on the top of this mountain, and he is, and he is weeping and sweating, as it were, great drops of blood right. for us. And the song changes a little bit. Yeah, Jesus sacrificed himself for us. We've heard it since we were kids. Mm-hmm. Is almost the attitude that we have when we come to worship because we're not really thinking about what we're singing. One but, of the greatest things a preacher could have ever done to help me right. appreciate that song is to slow it down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, slow it down. For a minute. <laughs> and But there are some songs that just deserve. Yeah to be sung a cappella. And I think some of these deep songs, I never liked Brethren We Have Met to Worship until I heard it a cappella. Right. Um, you know, I mean, think about it. With music, it's... It's just <laughs> terrible. But when this preacher starts singing, 
Brethren, we have met now. Now, just the ladies on this. Sisters, will you join and help us? Moses' sister aided him. Will you help the trembling mourners? Which that particular preacher's against just having the ladies sing that, by the way. Yeah, well, so I I tell you, I love love the thought of taking a song Mm -hmm. and breaking it down to what the writer was thinking right when they arranging it. it as we go yeah learning to all the work they put into yeah. it for us to just flippantly sing it right the, learning to harvest the content and so back to uh, how marvelous my savior's love um you know we, we take that a little slower and rather than make it a march we kind of make it a ballad right and everybody sings it man we sung it in church sunday night just the voices yeah and God began to God began to do a, a work in our hearts when it was happening. Yeah, and it was because people were thinking about the words; they were on that page. And so Colossians three, that song is teaching us something. Yeah, it's teaching us; it's rehearsing in our ears about the death, burial, or not the death, burial, and resurrection so much, but the actual crucifixion the events on the crucifixion day right um and it's a very funny story the old testament's full of those pictures the psalms are full of those pictures and they're called mascals yeah m-a-s-c-h-a-l i-l i-l mascal um now we didn't know what mascal meant (laughs) Um, oh, we're night. going back there. Yeah, we're going back here because I, I don't mind embarrassing myself a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't know what it means. Probably, you know, just some Hebrew word that, you know, whatever. And so James looks it up. Well, a little bit of backstory. I was I was in Psalm 78. Right. He, at, he preached the, in Psalm 78 for about two years. Yeah, and, and about just just in that passage, there there is so much about uh, our life. And how we celebrate a victory for five minutes, and then go back to complaining about the things right. that are wrong in right. our life, and and God is telling through Asaph, the music director of Israel, of Israel, David's prime music director, and Asaph is up there. He's writing about, he's writing a song, and he's writing about the history of Israel, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, hey. Every single time God brought a big victory, they forgot something, right. and they forgot, and then they forgot, and then they forgot again. But there's a part in that passage that says that he remembered, God mm-hmm. remembered that they were but dust and a wind that passeth away. And it said that he forgave them, and over and over and over again he could have slayed them. Yep. But yet he stayed his hand, and he gave them mercy, and he gave them grace. And so what Asaph is trying to do is he's trying to teach us something. And yep. so when I when I looked up the word mascal, I was surprised. It it is a psalm, but it's a psalm of wisdom and instruction. It's a teaching psalm. It's a teaching song. And Colossians said, teaching and admonishing. Well, that admonish, if I teach you a lesson, you know, I tell you this is how you change a tire. But if I say it a little bit differently and I say now this is why you don't change it like this because your tire is going to come off yeah well I just admonished you about it I just went a little bit above and beyond it's to warn 
or notify. And if and you put it reprove, in a song, reprove with mildness is what yeah. the what Webster says. And if you put it in a song, then somebody's going to remember it even right. that much better because they're going to have a song to sing about it. Exactly. So Psalm seventy-eight was literally this song, yeah, that they learned, and they and it was it was rehearsed to them every time they sung the song. They weren't going to forget it. We got more songs like that in in the hymnal, like. Like this great verse, James. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious yeah. thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole. That's all my sins. Yeah. Is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Right. Even so, it is, or praise the Lord, it is well with my soul. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got another one when you're done with that it's, one. <laughs> literally, literally, it is teaching you what happened to our sins right when they were forgiven yeah okay uh and so when the devil tries to bring your sin up you can turn around and sing to him my sin oh the bliss of this glorious thought and you can remind him hey wait a minute now you might not know the scripture you might not know the verse but you know the song yeah um, what's the one you're thinking of? So I had a uh, forum a little while back where they were arguing over oh, I remember this. what words to replace. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. And yes. and here and here is this here is this worship director. Sorry if I get a little stirred up here. You're good. Here's a worship director who is trying to remove a line of a verse in a hymn before they even figure out what it means. Because it's just too hard for people to understand in the song. But the song literally says I actually what just the read first Samuel five the other day in my devotions. It literally <laughs> means a rock of help. And so if you sing that song again, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help, help I come. De- it defines the word, right? It defined there. the word. But instead we're so lazy sometimes it's well, I just don't understand what that means, so how can I get rid of that part? Um, that's a little bit of an old word. I think we don't speak that word anymore, so we probably should just go ahead and delete it. And that kind of brings me to another pet peeve. <laughs> um, I think uh, we have this one in common. A, a lot of guys, um, a lot of the, the theologians, they'll call it sloppy agape. You ever mm-hmm. heard that term? Yeah. Sloppy. It's when you cheapen the majesty of God and what he's done. And I think there's a, there is a tendency in today's Christian music to do that by using kind of hip words. Right. Um, There's a song that everybody loved a couple years ago. And I, I almost wouldn't have had a problem with the song, James almost would. A lot of the song is a good song. I think I know what you're talking about. But then he says, oh, the reckless love of Christ. Yeah. Christ's love, if you read the scriptures, was not reckless. It was anything but reckless because reckless, reckless, reckless is not calculating the end result right if you're a reckless driver you're not calculating that maybe you're going to run over a kid and kill him yeah you see what i'm saying if you live a reckless life you're not calculating that you might die at a young age because it literally means 
careless, yes, heedless, and mindless. Now, do you believe in your heart that God was mindless when he sent his Absolutely son Jesus to this earth? Not. Do you think he was careless when he thought about your eternal destination? And do you think he was heedless mm-hmm. when he sent his son into the world that he knew was going to reject him? Mm-hmm. Heedless? No, mm-hmm. it was not reckless. So, so what we've got is a song that's actually, it's it's kind of disguised in a good song. Yeah. But it's teaching something that's false. Like I could not, in clear conscience, sing that song in a church service. Right. Now, if if I'm driving, you know, riding down the road, listening to the radio or something that comes on, might I get blessed by a portion of the song? Yeah, I might. And see, I'm of the the thought that you don't have to totally throw out what has a little bit of mold. Right. Cut it off and use the rest of it. Well, listen, what what would have happened if they would have written that song, The Precious Love of God? Sure. Oh, man. Do you think that that song would have not gotten as popular if they had used the word precious i think it might have got more popular maybe honestly. more maybe even more because yeah. people like you and me would feel comfortable singing at our church services. absolutely it would have hit a whole lot of people a different way and a whole lot more people would be singing it or what about this one you remember tor and wells sung that song um uh called known and he and he he he, he had a line in there and i understand the premise of the song the premise of the song is good but he had a line that it was ridiculous grace yeah ridiculous grace um amazing grace yes Uh, marvelous grace yes matchless grace yes wonderful grace yes awesome grace um i mean i can you i can think of a lot of words to describe grace open up a dictionary (laughs) a thesaurus (laughs) ridiculous is not a word that i would describe grace with no, because here's the thing. If you take a word like ridiculous or reckless mm-hmm. and you look it up in the thesaurus, the other words that go with that is going to define what that word means. Absolutely. There's there's just, listen, it's just a little bit more background, just a little more research, just a little bit more creativity. But going well, with the first thing that comes to mind. What if, what if you wrote a song for Anne-Marie? Anne-Marie is James's wife. What if you wrote the song for her for Valentine's Day and you started singing to her, Our life is reckless together. Your love is so ridiculous. What do you think she would do? She'd probably say that's the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. And she might hit you. Don't don't sing it again. Yeah, exactly. Because you're using words that really don't describe a pure love. Yeah. You're using words that describe a maniac um, for love, and it just it doesn't make sense. And so, lest you think that we are just picking on modern music. A couple of years ago, James came to me with a song, and he said, we ain't singing this one. I said, what is it? And it was called, We'll Soon Be Done With Troubles and Trials. Right. 
And James said, Jesse, what is this shaking glad hands with the elders and telling my kindred good morning and sit, sit down, down beside, my, beside Jesus. my Jesus? We're going to sit down and rest a little while. That is nowhere in my Bible. It's No, it's not. It's not in the in the Bible at all. And James is like, we're not singing this. And I said, yeah, I agree. We can't sing this. You know, just... Um, and so not even the hymn book is exempt from sloppy agape. Yeah. You know, um, a, a song that I like uh, says, confess to him your every sin. He'll save and cleanse you, give you peace and joy within. My every sin? Well, if I had to confess my every sin to be saved, honey, I still wouldn't be there because I'd be too busy confessing sins. Yeah. Um, and so these these writers, they don't think doctrinally and they should yeah and and we also have to understand that just as most of those people who we are talking about that wouldn't allow certain songs in their church that sounded different or that were written uh too early um let me just mention to you that not every song in your hymnal was written by an independent fundamental premillennial judgmental baptist no most of those songs were written by Presbyterians, people before there Calvinists. was before there was a Baptist church on every corner. Um, yeah, there was even some actually great hymns that were written by Roman Catholics. Mm. Um, we sing the song um, "Crown Him with Many Crowns." Yeah, you remember that one? Yeah. It's a grand old hymn. It was written by a Roman Catholic who believed Mary was deity. There's a lot of people that aren't going to be singing that song anymore. That's you know what though. Here's the th- and here's the other thing. You can't throw away a song just because the author believes some kooky stuff. Yeah. Um. And 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 this is something that the Lord had to had to deal with me about recently. Um. I am not a fan of Hillsong worship. Their <laughs> doctrinal train wreck. Yeah. As far as their church goes. Right. Or Bethel Church with their grave soaking and yeah. and all these other crazy things that they do. I'm not They're for... They're literally like the hotbed of charismatic... Oh, absolutely. I'm not for, for this, any this of year. it. Yeah. I'm not for any of it. But I'm going to say this. Other than one line that was very easy to change. What a Beautiful Name yeah. is a fantastic song. Right. And that was written by Hillsong. Yeah. Uh, one of the writers of Hillsong. It's a fantastic song that exalts the name of Jesus Christ. Um, and as as far as I'm concerned, it keeps him in his rightful place. Yeah. Now, if you go looking at the doctrine, doctrinal belief of those writers and stuff like that, your knee-jerk reaction will be like, well, bless God, I'm not going to sing that song. But <laughs> wait a minute. You'll still go sing crown him with many crowns on Sunday and the right. author worshiped Mary. Yeah. Um, so the song is valid. Um, there's a new one that came out recently called goodness of God. Oh my goodness. And Bethel church is who brought it out. one of their, their, their chief songwriters wrote that song, but I'm going to say goodness of God is, is absolutely doctrinally right on the money. There's nothing wrong with it. Doctrinally. Um, now, does it does it mean that you can sing anything those guys, um, you know those those guys put out? 
No, you have to be careful, just like you have to be careful with the hymnal. You have to examine the words to the songs. There's a, a song that came out a couple of years ago called Oceans. You remember that song, oh, yeah. Oceans? And there's a line in it that talks about uh, where my love is without borders and all those yeah. different things. Well, what's the big argument today? It's all about borders. God gives us boundaries. God gives us a place in this love without borders, and that's that's obviously very Pentecostal and, and all those differences. you got to be careful of some of that stuff. But there's still absolutely some valid songs that are being written today um, that are great songs. Yeah. And can I say this? There are some songs that are being written today that are great songs that will minister to me personally, but they have no place in a corporate worship service. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Not every song that I'm going to be ministered to in the car or riding on the plane with my Bose Quiet Comfort noise canceling awesome <laughs> headphones is is appropriate to be sung in a church service. And I've listened to a lot of songs. I'm like, wait a minute. This is great for me, but it's it's not for corporate worship. Yeah. It's for personal worship. And you have to know the difference. And just because a song isn't necessarily for church doesn't mean it's not for you. Yeah. I want to real quick go back to the thought of, of who is writing the songs. Um, you know, the, these are people that in their own way, the, they think they're doing right. Absolutely. Um, these are people who love the Word of God. They may not have the right version. But they love the Word of God. They love the God of the Word. Yep. And um, they, they love what light they have been given. Yeah. And, you know, every false doctrine is just one verse taken out of context. Absolutely. And um, one of the things about them is that they may not be the type of person you want them to be. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they can't write a good song here and there. Well, there again, let's because, go back and examine some of the hymn writers. Well, well, let me let me just remind you first that a murderer, adultering oh boy, writer wrote one of the biggest books in your Bible. The most of book. the songs in the scripture this guy wrote. And his name was King David. And here, here's here's one thing. God said that he liked David, mm-hmm. and he called him a man after his own heart. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What? What? He, he you know, his tie wasn't the right color. His suit right. wasn't the right color. Mind you, this guy literally, if we were judging him by today's standards. Oh, he'd be disqualified. He would wouldn't be even totally be allowed to preach in most of our, our, our pulpits. And we'd probably probably be wondering about the other things that he did since none of his kids really turned no, out right. Not, not even Solomon, the wisest man on earth. Now, he right. didn't, he didn't turn out right. Yeah, he absolutely was. But God gets glory from where God will get glory. Right. And I think this, James, if, if we examine these scriptural guidelines that we just talked about, uh, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, if we examine these scriptural guidelines and we apply them right. to our musical choices, not only personally but in church, 
I think we'll be closer to the right track than a lot of people who just want to listen to Reckless Love and Ridiculous Grace. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But I I do want to talk because our time is start you know starting to slip away, but I want to talk real quick too about another argument in in churches and that's instrumentation. Yeah. Um now for years the piano was on the left, the organ was on the right. Bless God. You remember that? Matter of fact, if you walk in James's home church, where's it, what side's the piano Piano's on? Piano's on the left, organ's, organ's on, on the right. Sure it is. But now there's some drums and the bass guitar well, and all that. you can't see those, though. No, but they're there. They're there. I know they're there because I hear them coming through my monitor every time I play. You can hear them. Um, and they're also on the left. So I guess that makes them spiritual or what is it? I don't well, know. When you're, on, when you're on the podium. When they're on the right. They're on your right hand. Right. Absolutely. Um, but did you know that back in the day, Martin Luther... <laughs> called the organ the devil's, the devil's chest. little chest of pipes. Yeah. Because the Catholic Church used an organ, and he was so angry at the Catholic Church that he said, well, bless God, my church isn't going to have an organ. That's the devil's chest of pipes because the Catholic Church... Which, by the way, if we're going to get on Martin Luther, let's just remind each other that he persecuted Baptists. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't believe in infant baptism. Everybody back then, if they didn't agree with you... They killed you. They killed you. Yeah. So think <laughs> yourself happy that if they don't agree with you, they just go start another church. Right. Or they don't let you preach in their pulpits anymore. Because you could be burning right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so Martin Luther... Brings a different thought. Right. So Martin Luther was against the, the pipe organ. So now what we have is churches that'll say, well... You know, obviously, we're against drums and we're against guitars, and we're against a bass because those are rock and roll. Yeah, why? Because instruments. The world, the world them. uses them. But can I say this as a piano player? I can. By the way, a piano player who grew up listening to Billy Joel. Yeah. Who wanted to be what? Uh, the White Stevie Wonder. The White Stevie Wonder. I I can do more damage with a piano than most church drummers can do with a drum set. Right. I'm not going to. I know my place. But it's it's not fair just to categorize an instrument because of the connotation that someone else has. You're doing the same thing Martin Luther did. Right. Now, this is what helped me. All an instrument is is a block of wood. It has no soul. Okay? What's a drum? It's a round piece of wood with a couple of skins stretched across it. Yeah. It has no soul. That piano has no soul. Um, it's the player, it's the musician behind the instrument, the motive and intent of the instrument. Now, I've played with some great musicians who love God, mm-hmm. and it shows in their playing because you can just tell they are fully devoted to playing God's music right. for Him. But, James, we've been in churches too where they've had musicians that all they wanted to do was show off about themselves. Yeah, they wanted to announce that they were the musicians. Yeah, and the and the music in the church fell flat because the heart of the musicians wasn't toward God. It was toward, let me show you how good I am at this instrument that I right. play. Um, and so this whole, should this instrument be used in church or should this instrument be used in church, the answer is, 
should the person who's playing the instrument be playing the instrument? Yeah, it's the heart of the in matter. church. And so I'm 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 kind of just sick of that argument. Um, you know, tracks versus no tracks. You know, right. should we use soundtrack? It's too professional yeah. if you use a track. Yeah. Now listen, I'm a musician. I don't like soundtracks. They put me out of a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I understand not every church has Jesse Craigle playing for him every single Sunday. Not every church has the the musicians that that the church James goes to has playing for him every single Sunday. And so you got to use something to fill in the to fill in the gap because your musicians can't play the song. So right, I know a church that could not afford to pay a musician. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody that comes and plays. They don't. They've, they've, nobody in the church not, knows how. Nobody knows how. They've not had a musician for a long time. Mm-hmm. All they know to do is put it in, mm-hmm. play, yep. whatever track is, you know, Victory in Jesus. Sure. Whatever track is... Whatever track is there, is, and they sing to that track. Yeah, and and that's all they have. Right. So, so anybody that will say, if it's canned music, uh, they just haven't been desperate enough. Right. To and need and, it. and by the way, tracks have come a long way since the 80s. Yeah. Um I remember when I was a kid and someone would sing to a track and it was on a cassette. I knew we were going there. Okay. And so they would start the cassette right in the beginning and you have that all that leader time before the track started. And right. so over the church sound system, you'd hear yeah. And then the track would come on and be all warbly and cheesy yep. and all yep. that stuff. And you know what I'm saying? I understand why people didn't like them. Yeah. But we got computers now. We got these wonderful things called CDs and and before, you know, when they were using mini discs before computers and right. I mean, you press the button and the track is in and it's wonderful. And I I told our special singers at church, there we go, the special again. I yeah. told our singers who are very special people. They are to um, not special as in well special people. Um, right, <laughs> right. We got it. We got it. That could come to church and they wanted to bring their cassettes. And I told mm-hmm. them to. I finally got to a point where I said, "No more cassettes. If you want to bring your your tracks, you need to either get them on a CD, right, get or them digitized, or get them to us on your CD, and we'll put them on the computer. And that you, way, they're already do there." Do you remember the day that we installed the new wireless microphones at oh, your yeah. church? Oh yeah. And do you remember we just decided we made the executive decision that we were Get going to make the cassette, the cassette player disappear and we took it out of the we literally took it away from the sound system but it was an executive decision by the pastor that the music director could tell the congregants that if they wanted to sing their tracks had to be in a digital format yeah. and they did yeah they went out they brought they took their cassette tapes to wherever you take them and they turned them into CDs. They right, or they back. found the digital version. Of they it. were still very warbly. They, yeah. they were still skipping. Yeah. But when you pressed one, baby, that thing that started thing playing. Fired up, didn't it? And uh, whether it matched the voice or not, it yeah. was there. At you least know, it, was it, there. it was there. At least it was there. So yeah, I'm not against a track when necessary. Uh, not at all. Yeah. But this this business of you can only have certain instruments. Did you know? Exodus chapter 15. Uh-oh. The very first musical instrument of worship. Do you know what they used? Hmm. Do you know what they used? A timbrel? You know what a timbrel is? A drum with cymbals on it. Yeah. A tambourine. A tambourine. Mm-hmm. So you've got places in the scripture where 
They used timbrels. They used harps. So there was a stringed instrument. Yep. Um, they used pipes. They used drums. They used mm-hmm. all kinds of, of different musical instruments. Symbols. They're not the Symbols. same as what we use today, no. But let me ask you something. What is the difference? Now, I, I used to have um, the argument was always brought up to me that a missionary um, here oh, in this here we go. area here we go. came back from Africa and told everybody about how the drums were used to call up demons. And they may have been. And, and they may have been, but hold up. Like, you come into a church in America and tell them that an African group of people who were pagan brought up demons mm-hmm. using drums over there in Africa, so you bring that same standard back here for the church. And just because they use that to get their minds in the trance of that does not mean that we do the same thing here. What about in those countries that I'm not they use the little thing on that? That's right. not my intent. What about those countries they use the little flute to charm the snake? You know, they exactly and the little snake. That's I mean, just as wicked, but we don't we don't forfeit the flute just because someone right. else uses it for the wrong purpose. Right. It's not the instrument's fault. It's there are the, a lot of people that are sitting on stages today. Yeah, they may have transitioned over into a keyboard, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that are sitting on stages today, and they're conjuring up demons inside of their life, and they're living for the devil, and they're playing a piano yep. that's just like the one that's sitting on your platform. A Steinway. And, and these people, these people that are out there playing these instruments, you know... When they get saved, they don't say, I'm never playing the piano again. I'm never touching a guitar again. I know some guys that did that. I'm never doing that again. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? A lot of them say, I'm not playing that song again. Right. I'm never going to play in that place again. Right. What are they going to do? Well, they're going to start using the talent that God gave them for a reason. Right. James chapter 1 says, every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. I want to... I want to lay something down from Philippians. Okay. Okay. And uh, a buddy of mine and I talked about this, and he's the one that actually brought it up. And he said, you know what the absolute litmus test for music is? He said, it's the same litmus test we use for everything else. Philippians 4, 8, what's it say? It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. But what if it's um what if it's like a Christian pop song? Yeah. What if it's a what if it's a Christian rap? Yeah. Or a Christian metal song. Now look, I don't like pop, I don't like rap, I don't like metal. I know of people that have gotten saved listening to Christian metal. Yeah. I know of Christians that have gotten convicted listening to Christian rap. Yeah. Just because I don't condone it doesn't mean that within the parameters of the verse we just read, God didn't use it. Yeah. Because it was pure. It was lovely. It was all those things. And it was trying to teach a lesson. Right. You see what I'm saying? So... Um, yes, there's plenty of music I don't like. There's plenty of music I don't think that we ought to fool with. There's there's uh, plenty of Christian music I wish the theology was better. 
But whatsoever things are pure and holy, think on these things. Yeah, of a pure heart. I love that that thought. Does it exalt Christ? Does it exalt God? Does it cheapen God? Ask yourself that. Yeah. When you listen to a song, I don't care what kind of song it is, does it exalt the Savior or does it try to bring him to your level? Does it encourage you to go to his or does it bring him to your level? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think you'll do fine. And I think the Holy Spirit will direct you to the right music. Right. Direct you to the right things to listen to. And when he does, you'll be thankful. And you'll want to encourage others to do the same thing you did, which was ask God. Because I'm going to say this. I've heard a lot of preachers preach about music. Yeah. And no offense to them. They meant well. But they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. I'm a musician. And when these guys tried to get technical and tried to... They got lost in, well, it's the beat. And they play beats on the pulpit. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. We just sung mansion over the hilltop and it had the same beat as you're playing now you know like so i'm you know i used to think these hypocrites but the bible will direct you and it will this is the grace and truth podcast yeah the truth will make you free right pick up that book and read it and if you're wondering what type of songs what songs to play ask the lord in church that is the main thing right there listen to that song and if there's any part in that song that does not agree with you, think about it. Figure out what it was. I remember hearing just recently a pastor that was talking about a contemporary song. And uh, this contemporary song had a part in there that just didn't sit well with him. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there thinking about the phrase, Your goodness is running after me. And he yep. said, You know, I just don't know if I like that or not. It doesn't really sit well. And then he said, He started thinking about the verse in Psalm Surely 23 that says, and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And so I love when something is revealed that our flesh was not agreeing with. And all of a sudden, our spirit starts getting worked up because doctrine. Mm-hmm. and art meet. Yep. Because music and theology meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, just be careful not to lift yourself up and not to think yourself better because of the style of music that you have in your church, because of the style of music you don't have, mm-hmm. because of the songs that you don't sing, and um, the church down the road does, and so they're wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure Peter and Paul had to get some things straight uh, in their own ministries that yep. they thought each other was doing wrong, and they withstood each other to the face. Yeah, they had a knockdown dragout. They, they did. They talked about it as men and yep. got it settled. And what did they finally agree on? Well, what did God say about it? And that was the main thing. That's it. And um, so before we close, I just want to read this to you quickly. And... Um, I've always told people this is the warning for musicians, for singers, for music directors, and for pastors, really. Here's a warning um, just to remember what happened with Satan. 
And in, and in Ezekiel chapter 28, God is dealing with this king of Tyre and the prince of Tyre. But he's speaking about Satan, Lucifer. And he says this in verse 13 of chapter 28, Thou hast been and eaten the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, and emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. He wasn't the music director. He was the music. He's, thou art the anointed, the anointed cherub. He wasn't just any cherub. He wasn't just another cherub. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. What What was he covering? The very thing that he said he wanted to be right there with was the throne of God. And he said, uh, I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down. He just tells Satan, you wanted all that. You had all this and you wanted more. And so let, let me just tell you one thing. If the devil knows anything about church, it is that if he can get into the music and if he can get into your heart about the music, then he can really mess some things up because the devil knows music. And I, I've seen a lot of churches that have had a lot of issues. I've seen a lot of people get mad in church over music. I've seen a lot of people get raised up with pride about music. And what is it? It is the spirit of Satan in our churches. And so it's always, 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 always about the heart, not the hymn. It's about the person. It's not, it's not about the lyrics. It's not about the, the, the rhythm. It's not about all those things. It's about the heart. Because if the heart's right, the rest will follow. The rest will follow. And so I hope that something that we've said today is going to encourage you in the ministry, is going to encourage you in the church. Listen, we know that some of you right now are fuming. <laughs> okay? We know that. We understand that. I don't know if they're going to listen to this. Uh, but listen, if you've made it this far and you're angry with us, before you shoot that nasty email, do me a favor and take a few days and just pray about what we've talked about. And ask the Lord, say, hey, is, is, is what they're saying, does that check out with you? Um, because like I said, we've prayed about this. Yeah, We've argued about it. We've postulated about it. And we've prayed about it. Yeah, And we're in agreement here. And I think if you'll pray about it as well, then, yeah, your preference may not be one thing. Uh, there's music that I like that James doesn't like, and there's music James likes that I don't like, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I'll be sitting in the car, bawling like a baby, thinking about God's mercies and goodness mm -hmm. because of a song. I'll send that song to Jesse, and I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, I like it. That's that's nice. <laughs> I like it. You know, whatever." <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, there's actually a lot of hymns that I don't like. In the hymnal that are perfectly good hymns. Serious. 
I just don't like the tune. I don't like the melody. Whatever. Yeah, you're making people mad. But but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. God made us all different. And so listen, for real, pray about it before you send off the nasty email. And if you want to send that nasty email, you can send it to graceandtruthpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to send a nice email, you can send it to graceandtruthpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. So again, that's grace and truth podcast at gmail.com we are now available on spotify Let's apple music get a hooray and uh we are we are pretty much on every podcast um app that you want to get on you can hear us there and uh so i invite you to share the podcast please we're we just want people to know the grace and truth of living in the Word of God and being able to know what it is to have the grace of God and also the truth in the Word of God. James, thanks for having me on the podcast yeah, again today. I'm glad, I'm glad you got to come and be a part of this, and um, hopefully we can get some more guests in here over a period of time. I'm, I'm looking forward to all the different topics that I've got on my mind. Just to put them in a, in a podcast has been a dream of mine. So when you hit share, when you go and tell people about the podcast, you're fulfilling a huge dream of being able to spread the word. And uh, that is the word of God. And I just appreciate you listening. And I hope you come back and listen next week. And we will see you then. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Truth Podcast.